The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon, and thanks for joining us for Managing to Make a Difference. My name is Kyle Bruce, and I'll be your moderator for today's show. I'm joined by co-authors Larry Sternberg and Dr. Kim Turnage, our experts on management techniques, the research behind them, and why effectively implementing them can make a difference. So today's topic for discussion is how managing to make a difference requires managers to embrace the ebb and flow of relationships. Uh, This topic does come from Chapter 12 of Larry and Kim's book, Managing to Make a Difference. But before we do get into our topic today, first, I want to congratulate Larry and Kim because their book launched on Monday. So this is the week. Managing to Make a Difference is figuratively on store shelves, and it's shipping now. So I guess the big question is, have you ordered your copy yet? Uh, But I'm I'm very excited for Larry and for Kim. This is uh, certainly a milestone, I think, for both of them in their career and something you should be congratulated. So I'm very proud of you both. Um, So let's get into the topic. Um, Let's talk about the ebb and the flow of relationships you know, those are words that not everybody thinks about when it comes to relationships, but certainly is top of mind. And, you know, everybody has that friend that is, you know, gone away for a while or come back and that sort of thing. And they might hit it, hit it right back where they left off when, when their relationship stopped or where they moved away or something. But you may have had a little bit different meaning from that. What do you all mean by the ebb and flow of relationships? Well, Kyle, there is some mythology out there that relationships ought to be 50-50. So if you have a significant other, your relationship ought to be 50-50. You have a partner in business, your relationship ought to be 50-50, etc., etc. And in reality, no relationship is ever 50-50. That's what the ebb and flow is about. Sometimes in, on, in every, any given time period, whether it's a day, a week, it might even be a year, more is required from one of the individuals in a relationship than from the other. Uh, you, might be, you might be required in a given relationship to be more forgiving. You might be required to uh, work harder to support the family because your, your spouse or your significant other is, for one, or one reason or another, uh, not able to work. Uh, so there's a variety of, of circumstances in life that impact relationships and require more of one partner in, in a given time frame than they do uh, from another partner. So the title, Embrace the Ebb and Flow of the Relationships, is, is meant to convey that in reality, relationships are just not going to be 50-50, and it may not even out over time. Uh, but that's that's the reality. So so what we want people to do is let go of the fantasy that a uh, relationship could could even be 50-50 or even should be 50-50. Kim, uh, what are your thoughts on this? 
Well, I don't, Larry, I don't want to let us let that point go by that even over time, it might not even out. Yeah, uh, absolutely. There, there are plenty of relationships like that. And so how does this apply to making a difference in people's lives as, as someone's manager? This is how it applies. The best managers put the needs of their people ahead of their own needs. And that might mean that in a given relationship, the manager has to do more of the heavy lifting to get the relationship into that space where it's best for the employee and and also best for the manager. And if it's those two things, let's assume it's going to be best for the customers, best for the company overall, et cetera. There is a sweet spot for relationships where that's the case. And it may be that the manager has to do more of the, the heavy lifting in the relationship. And there are a lot of managers who believe that uh, if, if you report to me, it's your job to make all the adjustments. It's your job uh, to make all of the efforts uh, because I'm the boss and I have more power and therefore uh, you need to do all that. And I'm suggesting here that what we've learned over interviewing uh, 40,000 leaders and managers is that the very best have no problem doing the heavy lifting if it's for the right reason. To have that great relationship with somebody who has the potential to add a lot of value and help the organization grow. Well, and I think as we think about that power differential, it's really important as a manager to realize that you need to proactively reach out to that person and build relationships partially because that power differential exists. There is a a barrier that's potentially there simply because as the manager you have more power than the people who report to you that could make it more difficult for them to reach out to you and ask for the kind of time and initiate the kinds of conversations that they really need to have with you. You know, in a previous podcast, we had a good example. All of these topics are related to each other. So there's a lot of overlap when it comes to these topics. In a previous podcast, I told a story about how I apologized to a group of employees who were offended by uh, by people on my team thanking them for the support they got. And and they they really wanted an apology. And although I remain convinced to this day that none of us did anything wrong, the the people on that team were upset about it because they thought we were minimizing their their contributions. And it doesn't matter whether they were right or wrong. The the point is I apologize. That's an that's an example of doing the heavy lifting on the relationship. More was being asked of me in that relationship with that group of people at that moment in time, and I decided to give it. And there's a cost to that. There's a cost to apologizing. There's an emotional cost to apologizing for something when you're fully convinced you have nothing to apologize for. And you do it anyway because you want the relationship 
to move forward in a positive way. So that's just that's just an example from a previous podcast of of how managers and leaders sometimes need to do that heavy lifting. Well, let's let's stay on that kind of topic for a moment, Larry. As I think about you know the the ego component of all of this, where you know, you knew you were right, but you also you you're thinking about the bigger picture. You know, there's new managers and, and even seasoned pros out there that you know might have big egos and. Um, you know, embracing that ebb and flow. Maybe they're keeping score of things, you know, they're keeping track of, you know, you did this, this time, now it's my turn, you know, whatever that might be. Uh, what, what are some techniques that they might also be able to employ other than apologizing, perhaps like your example you just gave, other techniques they might be able to employ when uh, maybe they notice their ego is getting in the way or they they don't necessarily see that, okay, I've got to adjust here and embrace this. Uh, what are some other things, they, techniques they can use to, to get past it? Well, we're going to get there. And I want you to remind me that your question is about techniques. But uh, Kim and I agree that we actually like big egos to start with. It's because big egos are the foundation for a leader or a manager uh, claiming internally that they're capable of doing great things and that they're worthy of doing great things. And that's, that's their ego talking. And so it isn't the size of the ego. It's how it expresses itself. Okay. There's plenty of people who have very big egos. Uh, Mother Teresa. Uh, it could be said that she had a very large ego. She used to sit one-on-one with prime ministers and presidents and scold them. Uh, <laughs> and it, it takes an ego. You've got to have an ego on you to do that. And, and, and yet, I, I would also suggest that you can't have great humility without an actually, without a large ego. Uh, so, um, we, we, it isn't the size of the ego. It's, it's how it expresses itself. Uh, Kim, we'll we'll get into techniques in a minute, but I'd love you to add your perspective on that. Well, I liked part of Kyle's question that was about, you know, people with big egos, they they keep score, they want to compete, and they want to win. And in this context, as you think about relationships and the ebb and flow of relationship, if you want to keep score on something, and if you want to win something, keep score on how often you reach out to that person and improve the relationship through your own effort and compete with yourself. Yeah, that's, uh, that's great advice. So other techniques that we could think about when a manager is confronted with doing the heavy lifting, let's, let's come up with a, another example of, of when a manager might have to do more of the heavy lifting. Uh, they have a, and a highly productive employee who uh, just got in a car accident and is going to be unable to come to work uh, for at least the next week. And the manager has a decision to make. How do we treat that individual? How do I relate to that individual? Uh, And it might be that uh, part of the burden to do that work is going to fall on the manager. Mm-hmm. And and they it, that's what may be asked of them in that situation where they're doing a lot more than 50% of what that relationship requires. And are they going to do it cheerfully? Are they going to do it with generosity of spirit? Are they going to do it with a great deal of empathy for the individual, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So, that's the, so if you've got a big ego, you, you just have to decide. 
So what if somebody lacks empathy? Can they can they effectively manage the ebb and flow of relationships if they don't have maybe empathy or a, a caring component? Uh, a, a lack of empathy is a major stumbling block when it comes to any relationships. People with low empathy, uh, almost by definition, aren't going to be aware of A, how the other person feels now, or B, how their decisions and actions uh, are, are going to affect the other person, and C, in many cases, they don't care. <laughs> I once heard a low empathy individual uh, say with a smile, I understand how you feel, I just don't care. Um, Kim, do you want to add anything? <laughs> I think that's pretty complete. The reality is, Kyle, just as someone who has a big ego isn't going to be able to completely make that ego go away and shouldn't, um, somebody who doesn't have a lot of empathy isn't necessarily going to be able to change that either. But maybe there are some tactics, maybe there are some processes um, you can put into place they're probably not going to feel empathetic to the people on the receiving end. And that's just the reality. Okay. Well, I see that we are almost to our first break here. Um, So I want to invite everybody to join us uh, after the break. I'm going to ask a question about emotional intelligence because that seems to be a pretty popular topic and how it relates to uh, the ebb and flow of relationships, kind of the same part of around empathy, but I want to talk a little more about that. Uh, But You know, I wanted to let all of our listeners know that if they'd like to add uh, some questions or comments, they can certainly do that. Um, All you need to do is to just uh, click the email host button uh, on the podcast description and uh, just ask your question, uh, submit it there. We're going to answer some of those questions later on today, actually, from from some previous podcasts. Uh, So when we get back here in just a few minutes, we're going to continue talking with Larry and Kim about managing the ebb and flow of relationships. See you in just a few minutes. us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Asked to manage your teams but wonder when or how? Join Talent Plus on-site with us or at your corporate office for a seminar built just for you. Leadership Toolbox focuses on individual engagement, talent and fit, team dynamics and growth, and creating a strength-based culture. This interactive, seminar-style format is just the set of tools you need for world-class team performance starting now. Reserve your spot today at talentplus.com. When managers make a significant impact, their teams are engaged, motivated, and excited. They love what they do. When those people work for you, you get results. Results matter, and people drive results. At Talent Plus, we've assessed millions of people over decades using our rigorous science to predict successful on-the-job performance and cultural fit with an organization's mission, vision, and values. Our online assessments and person-to-person interviews not only identify talents, but uncover a roadmap for success from a person's first day on the job to the day they retire. When people celebrate their talents, use them daily, and think about how to lead with their strengths, they help their companies grow, produce, and innovate. Want to learn more about empowering your people to help you do great things? Visit us today 
at talentplus.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back, and thanks for joining us for Managing to Make a Difference. Uh, We've been talking to Larry and Kim about embracing the ebb and flow, about relationships and its importance, and and effectively managing other people. Uh, Again, this topic comes from Chapter 12 of Larry and Kim's book, Managing to Make a Difference. And if you didn't know, it's available, just launched this week. Uh, and we even launched a microsite uh, to uh, for helping our listeners. You can actually go to the microsite. And that microsite, Larry, what is the name of it again? ManageToMakeADifference.com. And on that, we have all the support materials that are uh, available in the book, uh, a lot of other insights from Larry and from Kim. And, you know, I'm sure there's just pearls of wisdom there waiting for you to open up and look at right now. So I'm going to go back to my previous uh, point. We were talking about empathy and caring, and I I wanted to throw in uh, maybe the – you know, the topic of the, the minute, I suppose, emotional intelligence. You know, here a lot of people talk about emotional intelligence. Uh, and, you know, there's measures out there and metrics for it. And there's books, I think, probably written about it at this point. I think maybe it's called EQ on some books, that sort of thing. But when you think about, you know, embracing the ebb and flow of relationships, how does emotional intelligence fall in there? Is it the same thing as empathy and caring? Or is it different? And, and how do you two uh, both address it or think about that topic? You know, I think the higher a person's emotional intelligence, the more likely they are to understand that relationships are not going to be 50-50. And the more likely they are to embrace the, the reality that at certain times, more is going to be asked of them in a particular relationship, whether or not they give what's being asked for them is is another question, but the intelligence part would be to recognize that this is the situation at the current time. Kim, what do you think? Yeah, to, to play off of that, I think one of the underappreciated elements of emotional intelligence is self-awareness. And self-awareness is an important part of embracing the ebb and flow um, because you have to understand how you're feeling. You have to have an awareness of what you're putting out there and what you're getting back. And the reality is, and this is one of the questions we were planning to get to today, you have to ask yourself, is what I'm getting out of this relationship worth what I'm putting into it? And you have to be self-aware about the answer to that. And in order to do that, you really have to know, answer the question for yourself, why am I in this relationship? And people get hung up on whether the other person is getting more than maybe they think they're, they're entitled to. Maybe they, so is this other person really getting more than I am out of this relationship? Or are they getting way more benefits than they ought to be getting out of the relationship, it's 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 like asking: Is is a customer getting too much value uh, when they when they engaged you for a product or service? So you you have to start to answer that question. You have to ask yourself: Why am I in this relationship? And in a sense, ignore the issue 
of whether the other person is somehow getting more than their fair share. That, that issue just needs to be ignored. The only important question is the one Kim just brought up. Is what I'm getting out of this relationship worth what it's costing me? And there are times when there's a cost for what you want to do in life. Uh, for, for many, many years, I spent more than 200 days a year uh, on the road uh, traveling to clients. And to be honest, I've always hated to travel. But I realized that I had to look at that as a cost because I loved what I did and I still do when I go to visit clients. I love what I do when I'm with the clients. I hate the activity of getting from here to there and then getting home again. It just is unpleasant for me. However, I early on, I realized I just had to consider this a cost, complaining about it, uh, being negative about it, all those kinds of things weren't going to change the fact that if, if I wanted to stay in that career, I had to be willing to be on the road. And once I realized that I didn't want to throw it all out because there was no way to have one without the other. Uh, so I didn't want to throw it all out. For many, many years, I've just uh, gotten myself into the frame of mind where, okay, that's a cost. And I've decided to pay the cost. So no whining, no complaining, no feeling sorry for myself about that. So it's the same thing in relationships. Sometimes there's a cost and it doesn't matter what the other person is getting or not getting. That shouldn't, that shouldn't uh, figure into your calculation. The only question you need to answer is, is it worth it? That question about how much am I getting um, is a question that skirts around the edges of, of something that people are talking about a lot lately, which is abundance and an abundance mentality. And the, the crux of abundance is the idea that it's not a zero-sum game. And what that means is that it, it's not necessarily that someone has to win and someone else has to lose, or for someone to get more, someone else has to get less. The idea of abundance is not how big is the pie and how big of my, is my slice of it. The question is, how, how much bigger could we make the pie if we worked together? Um, and that's, that's the key here is to get past how much do I get versus how much do I give and to think about how big is the pie of this relationship? And if I want it to get big, bigger, what does that look like? Kim, that also brings up the point that what I'm getting out of the relationship I may place value on receiving something out of the relationship that somebody else, if they received that, it, it wouldn't have a great deal of value for them. So from individual to individual, what I'm getting out of the relationship is really unique to my value system. So for instance, if I'm mentoring an individual and that person is getting a great deal out of my time and effort that I invest in them mentoring, for me, I might be getting plenty out of the relationship in terms of the satisfaction I get from watching that person grow and knowing that I played a role 
in their continuing growth and success and the meaning and value they're getting out of their life and the value they're able to contribute, that for me might be more than enough for me to not only stay in the relationship, but keep working harder in the relationship, but for another person, and and this is not a ding on anybody else, for another person, that may not be enough for them. So, um, I'm just thinking about Larry, you and Kim, you, you launched your book this week and, you know, writing that took, you know, a significant amount of time. You guys invested a lot of time and energy, you know, some blood, sweat and tears perhaps in the book, you know, Larry's tears probably more than Kim's, you know, he cries a lot. Um, but I was just thinking that's a great partnership and I'm sure that your relationship, uh, in writing that book had some ebbs and flows to it. Why don't you guys talk a little bit about that and how, how you uh, managed to work through that and how you guys partnered to, to write the book? Well, first of all, let me say about, about the, 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 the satisfaction I derive from this book has two major components. One is it's a significant form of self-actualization for me. And two is that Kim Turnage said yes when I invited her to be my partner on this book. And, and in many cases in life, it's not just you reached your goal, you, you achieved your outcome, you, you crossed the finish line. In many cases in life, uh, the enjoyment of the process is a major component of value that you receive, and and I've been in I've been in conversations mostly with guys, at where occasionally a guy will admit that he married up, and uh, I did. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you most certainly did. Uh, I know I, I I know Kyle's wife, and and she's a wonderful person. Well, but, but the point I'm about to make here is that I partnered up, uh, and and I'm I'm so fortunate that Kim agreed to be my partner and contribute to this form of self-actualization for me. Uh, and what emerged in the ebb and flow of our relationship is that working with Kim uh, is, uh, is independently of what we may or may not achieve for me, a, a, I'm getting a huge amount of value from that. Well, and I can't okay, let Kim, it go. go ahead, that, that, that. But having the invitation to participate in this was in and of itself a huge form of um, Larry offering significance and, and making me feel like his equal partner in this venture um, has been an amazing experience. Larry can't not make people feel significant and he has done so for me in spades in this process um so our mutual admiration society is complete here what i will say about the flow is that there are many times and for for very long larry was laboring on this and i wasn't even in the picture and there were many times when the two of us were putting in very different amounts of work and time and effort in this process. 
um, and allowing each other the space to do the other things we needed to do that were outside of this process while we were making it happen. And that was just considered normal for us. Yeah, and and part of the ebb and flow. Let's continue this after the break. Yeah, we've just got a few moments here left. So uh, we'll, we'll continue talking about Larry and Kim's relationship, writing their book, Managing to Make a Difference, as it relates to this chapter, uh, Embracing the Ebb and Flow of Relationships. So if you haven't yet had a chance, please order your book uh, and check out the microsite, uh, managetomakeadifference.com. Uh, it's pretty amazing. So we'll be right back in just a few moments, folks. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. When managers make a significant impact, their teams are engaged, motivated, and excited. They love what they do. When those people work for you, you get results. Results matter, and people drive results. At Talent Plus, we've assessed millions of people over decades using our rigorous science to predict successful on-the-job performance and cultural fit with an organization's mission, vision, and values. Our online assessments and person-to-person interviews not only identify talents, but uncover a roadmap for success from a person's first day on the job to the day they retire. When people celebrate their talents, use them daily and think about how to lead with their strengths, they help their companies grow, produce, and innovate. Want to learn more about empowering your people to help you do great things? Visit us today at talentplus.com. Asked to manage your teams but wonder when or how? Join Talent Plus on-site with us or at your corporate office for a seminar built just for you. Leadership Toolbox focuses on individual engagement, talent and fit, team dynamics and growth, and creating a strength-based culture. This interactive, seminar-style format is just the set of tools you need for world-class team performance starting now. Reserve your spot today at talentplus.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Managing to Make a Difference with Larry Sternberg and Dr. Kim Turnage. If you are just joining us today, we've been discussing the importance of embracing the ebb and flow of relationships. And specifically, we were talking about Larry and Kim's relationship as it went through the natural ebbs and flows of writing a book and, and how that comes together. Uh, so let's talk a little more about that, Larry. Well, you know, I, one of the things that has occurred from the time we started our collaboration is because of who we are and and what we know, we have always been very aware of when we might be asking the other person to contribute a little more, when we're going to step back a little more for a variety of reasons. And and so I, I don't I can I can assure you that 
uh, we've never been in the space where we were even moving in the direction of feeling bad about what we were putting in and what we were getting out uh, because we, we, we're, we're aware of that. The, the ebb and flow to the extent, I mean, there is an ebb and flow. And we have very different styles and we have been able to create synergy because of those differences, and, and as everyone knows, you when you find differences, then you have an opportunity to create synergy out of there. You have to look for it. You have to work at it, and we've been able to do that, and so a lot of the ebb and flow for Kim and I uh, just occurred in us learning more about our different styles and how we can honor each other's style and and uh, create create something better than we could have created on our own, and so Kim, that's where I've seen most of the ebb and flow for us. Yeah, and I would say that we've had a lot of flow. I think that flow is something you know as a as an experience of consciousness that is a pretty special state to be in. And I would say that our relationship has achieved a state of flow in just something that just happened today. We had a conversation about something that we wanted to write about. And at the end of that conversation, Larry said, well, it was Kim's idea that we say X. And in fact, I'm pretty sure that was Larry's idea. But we've gotten to this place where it doesn't matter whose idea it was anymore. And And neither one of us is too concerned about who gets the credit. (laughs) Right, right. So we're 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 in that good place, and um, uh, we do embrace the ebb and flow. So there there aren't going to be any issues of one of us thinking, "Oh my God, you know what I'm putting into this is not worth what I'm getting out of it." So if you as you think about your partnership, and you know and thinking about young managers, you know, millennial managers perhaps, or, you know, Gen Xers, you know, people who are going to be under the age of 40 that are you know, getting into management, maybe even moving up into middle management perhaps, you know, listeners of the podcast, right? Um, and you want to give them some advice on techniques or tips and tricks to use to help them through this, especially when ego gets involved, um, you know, whether it's in work or maybe even in personal life, because this, this type of component certainly affects personal relationships outside of work as well. What are some of the best tips and, and techniques that you would recommend uh, for somebody, you know, in, in that range? Well, I'm going to start by being Captain Obvious. <laughs> you have to talk about it. If you want a relationship to be the best relationship that two of you can have, whether it's a friendship whether it's a relationship with a customer, uh, et cetera, it doesn't matter. You've got to let the other person know how you're feeling because otherwise you're going to ruminate on it. You're going to carry it around. And I'm, I'm assuming in this case you're, you're not feeling so good about things. And you're, you're going to carry that around and you're going to have some conversation in your head that's just zinging around, uh, bouncing off your skull and magnifying itself until when you bring it up. By the time you bring it up, you're, you're so dang angry that you're, you're not even capable of having a constructive 
conversation about it. People wait too long. You know, you get these you get these couples where they squeeze the tooth, toothpaste tooth differently, and, and one of them is very annoyed, and they but they don't say anything, and they don't say anything, and it builds up to some state of a, a aggression that you get an axe murder over a toothpaste tooth, and it's it's all the result of not talking to somebody of not trusting the other person in the relationship that they can that they can receive this communication so I, I know this is obvious and I know it's the first piece of advice that anyone can give but there's a reason for that if somebody will just communicate you know what this is what's happening and this is how I'm feeling about it if I say that this is what's happening, or this is what it looks like to me, and this is how it makes me feel. I haven't told you you've done anything wrong. I've just stated the facts from my point of view. X happened, and this is how it makes me feel. And then you sit there and listen to what the other person has to say in reaction to that. And if you're married, the other person is going to say, you're wrong. (laughs) And you're going to say, yes, dear. This is how it goes in a good marriage. <laughs> Besides the humor, Kim, what, what, do you, what do you have to say about this? Well, I like where you're going with that, and I would extend it to the next step. Obvious. So when someone in a relationship has had the courage to come to you and say, here's how I'm feeling, and here's what I need from you, it's imperative that you remember that the most fundamental definition of a relationship is the response of one human being to another. And that if you don't respond to that in a positive and helpful way, you are damaging the relationship. And And if you do, you are improving it. This relates to our topic of the day, the ebb and flow. Mm -hmm. To start Uh, conversation, that might be a difficult conversation to work through. To have the courage to start that is is a moment where the the conversation starter may be carrying more of the burden in the relationship, having made the decision to, to, to start this conversation, knowing that it's an important conversation for the relationship and properly done, it can make the relationship healthier and better but it's risky and and it may be that in a given relationship one person has to be the starter almost all the time and so you know how much do you care about the other person you could resent the fact that you have to be the starter almost all the time or you can say this is part of what I contribute to this relationship uh, and in the, in the case of my wife and me, there are times when I say this is part of how I'm going to demonstrate my love. I'm going to uh, do this, even though I'm thinking maybe I shouldn't always have to uh, do this and, and so forth. But I do it and I, I say, you know, this is part of what is needed from me in this relationship. And... Uh, out of love for my wife, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to do this. Okay, so the 
you, you gave me the Captain Obvious uh, answer. Any other techniques you would recommend? And I'm gonna I'm gonna ask one other question on top of that is, you know, as a millennial manager, can I text message uh, this to somebody that you know what they were doing made me feel X way way and that sort of thing? Can I do, or does it have to be in person? Uh, you know, I'm gonna demonstrate some heresy for with regard to people in my generation. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm not a millennial. In fact, I have blemishes older than some millennials in any event. Um, yes, if you're a millennial, as I say, I'm going to demonstrate some heresy here. It's a communication. It's an accepted form of communication. And yes, if that's the, the best you can do, face to face is scarier. It's more difficult. I get it. If the best you can do to start that conversation is a text, then, you know, by gosh, do it. Uh, These things are always better face-to-face. But we live in a world where people who are next door to each other in offices are texting or sending an email uh, rather than getting up and going into that office and having a conversation or texting instead of picking up the phone and having a a more personal connection. So I'm going to say, yeah, if that's the way you can do it, then do it. I don't think it's the best way, but at least you're you're doing it. You're bringing it up. You're starting the conversation. And and the other thing I would say is in order to start the conversation, you don't always have to say I'm this is how I'm feeling. You can notice how the other person's feeling and you can say, you know, I I, I notice you 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 seem to be upset about something. Uh, what is it? And if the person says nothing and you know that's not true, then you say you know, I really think it's not nothing. And at least you're demonstrating that you care and that you're open. And if the other person ultimately decides, I am just not going to talk about this, uh, there isn't much you can do about that. But at least you've demonstrated that you are aware that they're upset about something and that you're willing to listen to them. Perfect. Well, thank you, Larry and Kim. You know, we've got some really great questions that have come in uh, from some previous podcasts. So what we're going to do is take a quick break here, going into our last segment, and we're going to answer a couple of those questions. Uh, So thank you, everybody, for your uh, opportunity to talk about the ebb and flow of relationships and your great advice today. Uh, Come on back as we talk about uh, answering some of these questions that have come in. And I also do want to remind everybody that uh, there's a lot of great information on our microsite for Managing to Make a Difference, and that is managingtomakeadifference.com. So join us there. And if you haven't yet, uh, Amazon is open right now, so you can order your books. Uh, We'll talk to you a few minutes after the break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Asked to manage your teams but wonder when or how? Join Talent Plus on site with us or at your corporate office for a seminar built just for you. Leadership Toolbox focuses on individual engagement, talent and fit, team dynamics and growth, and creating a strength-based culture. This interactive, seminar-style format is just the set of tools you need for world-class team performance starting now. Reserve your spot today at talentplus.com. 
When managers make a significant impact, their teams are engaged, motivated, and excited. They love what they do. When those people work for you, you get results. Results matter, and people drive results. At Talent Plus, we've assessed millions of people over decades using our rigorous science to predict successful on-the-job performance and cultural fit with an organization's mission, vision, and values. Our online assessments and person-to-person interviews not only identify talents, but uncover a roadmap for success from a person's first day on the job to the day they retire. When people celebrate their talents, use them daily, and think about how to lead with their strengths, they help their companies grow, produce, and innovate. Want to learn more about empowering your people to help you do great things? Visit us today at talentplus.com. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Welcome back, everybody, to Managing to Make a Difference with Larry Sternberg and Dr. Kim Turnage. Well, we have been talking about uh, embracing the ebb and flow of relationships in Chapter 12 of their book. We've we've had a lot of great discussion about that, but we do have several questions that have come into our listeners, and we wanted to, to focus on them for our last segment. So uh, Brad has sent in a question, uh, and I'll, Larry or Kim, whoever wants to answer this, go ahead. Go ahead. This is kind of harkens back to our uh, podcast about uh, effective, ha- effectively having one-on-one meetings. And Brad says, some managers take the time out to have one-on-ones and discuss you know, these thought-engaging questions, which, which are great. But uh, answers to the questions without action can sometimes be pointless, obviously. Um, so when the request can be taken but is not due to the manager uh, to be unwilling to act on it, you know, what, would, what would the next step be for the employee? So if you know, they make a request but the manager doesn't do anything or they're unwilling to act on it, what do you suggest? Uh, Kim, I'll, I'll just start. The employee has to make the request again. The manager may have forgotten. The managers are human beings. And, and, and I, I would counsel the employee, don't impute bad motives to the manager. To, you don't know why the manager hasn't acted on it. And so don't assume that the manager isn't acting on it because they don't like you or some other uh, negative uh, point of view, uh, all you know is they haven't acted on it. And and so just pleasantly go to them and say, you know, you remember I, I, I asked you about this and, and I'm just, I'm just wondering it, what's going on with it and do it in the right frame of mind and then just see what they have to say. You may be pleasantly surprised. So give them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. By the way, I, I want to go back to the, the ebb and flow to, to make one point that uh, we simply haven't made. We've been talking about how to make these relationships relationships better by embracing the ebb and flow. And, and as, as Kim Turnage said, at some point in time, you have to ask yourself, is what I'm getting out of it worth what I'm putting in? The answer might be no. And it's okay to decide to leave a relationship if, in your opinion, what you're getting out of this relationship is not what 
worth what you're putting in. And it is costing you. It could be costing you emotionally, and it could be costing you in other ways. It doesn't matter. You get to decide whether what you're putting in is what you're getting out. And if you get to a point where you believe that this relationship is unlikely to change materially so that you, you continue to put in way more than you're getting out and you, feel, and you don't feel good about it, it's okay to leave the relationship. And in some cases, it, it's the healthiest choice you can make. You don't want, and I'm going to go way, way over to the, to the extreme. You think about abusive relationships. You know, the person on the, on the receiving end of the abuse, and uh, we, could, we could argue about what they're getting out of it, and, and, uh, and I'm, I'm not a psychologist, so I, I'm not going to, uh, I'm not even qualified to, to be in that kind of an argument. What I'm saying is a person on the receiving end of the abuse, it's obvious that what they're getting out of the relationship is really not worth what, what, it's, what it's costing them. And so most relationships don't get to that extreme. But I just want everyone to know it's okay to leave a relationship if you don't want to pay the cost of being in that relationship. That's a healthy choice. That's an interesting point, Larry. It it makes me think that you actually have four choices when you are in the ebb and flow and you're uncomfortable with exactly where it's at. One is to keep investing the amount that you're investing. One is to invest more and see what happens. One is to invest less and see what happens. And one is to stop investing at all. And you can make a decision about which one of those four options you want to pursue. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks, Kim. Um, you know, we had another question. We actually were sort of in the middle of answering uh, in a previous podcast, but I uh, didn't quite get um, maybe all of our thoughts out. And, and so the question was relating to, to Fox News and sort of some of the, the, the trending things going on with, with Bill O'Reilly and, and other allegations. But the question essentially was, what would be your advice to the managers or management of a company that may have been told complaints uh, in meetings with their employees but chose to keep it somewhat under wraps? Um, and how would you handle that? You know, what what could things done? What could they done differently for the brand or the culture if they would have handled it differently? Uh, as, as it relates to, you know, you know, focusing on on the positive and you know, what could companies do essentially. So we we as you said we we started to get into this and then we we ran out of time and I wanted to cycle back there. It's an important question. Uh, most people are going to be confronted with questions similar to this. So let me let me make sure we understand the question right. Something is happening in the company that is wrong. And yes. and as a mid-level manager, you know it's wrong and nothing is being done about it. Yep, or it's being actively kept under wraps. It's being and what should you do? Yeah. Uh, you, Kim, you you may have several options of decisions people can make here which are all legitimate uh, but you, number one is you have to look in the mirror. You have to make choices that are good for you. And it was well established at the end of World War II that the, that the Nuremberg defense is uh, not acceptable. And that defense is 
I'll get into trouble. I know this is wrong, but I was ordered to do this by my boss, and I'll get into trouble if I if I don't condone this and if I don't look the other way, et cetera, et cetera. This recently happened with Wells Fargo, where there, Wells Fargo had a uh, an 800 hotline where people could report wrongdoing, and people reported it, some of them. But some of them didn't, and they went along with what was going on. Y- you know... All of us have to decide, what kind of person do I want to be? Uh, Do I want to look in the mirror and at least have the peace of mind to say, I did what I thought was right? And the the depth of your integrity becomes evident when there is a cost to you for living out your principles. That's the strength of your integrity. So the, the higher the cost you're willing to pay to, to stick to your principles, the deeper uh, and stronger is your integrity. So every, every one of us has to decide how strong is our integrity. Can we be intimidated out of doing the right thing? Can we be bought out of doing the right thing? Uh, and are, are we so afraid to have this particular job uh, that we're going to... Uh, condone things that are wrong. And even if you don't stand up and say, this is wrong, et cetera, et cetera, you can still leave. You can still say, you know what, this is wrong and I don't want to be associated with an organization that would sweep this under the rug. So even if I'm not going to be a crusader, I'm going to go somewhere where I I think I'm working with people who have the same values and principles that, that I do. Perfect, Larry. Well, thank you for, for answering that. Kim, anything that you wanted to add to that? I think that's a perfect response that bears no improvement. Oh, thank you. Um, well, <laughs> so our, we've only got about a minute or so left in the, the podcast today. So uh, next week, I see that we're going to be talking about uh, cultivating a great relationship with your boss. That's the, the chapter we're going to be focusing on in managing to make a difference. Uh, can you guys give us a little bit of a preview? Uh Actually, I don't think that's the chapter we're going to be focusing okay, wow, on. Okay, wow, right. The chapter now we're going to we're abandon gonna... the follow Shirley method next week. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry to tell us about abandoning the, the follow the Shirley <laughs> method, which seems way better anyway. Who's uh, Shirley and where did she go? Shirley is a, a complete fiction, but it's how do you train new employees? You're a manager. How do you get them trained? Uh, so frequently in so many businesses, a new employee shows up and the manager says, here's how you're going to learn your job. Follow Shirley around, shadow Shirley, and Shirley will teach you your job. And we're going to talk about uh, the benefits and the drawbacks of that. And we're suggesting that people abandon that approach. There are better approaches, and they're not difficult uh, to to do. So follow Shirley. Great. Well, that's our show today, everybody. It's great to have you uh, listening to us. A big thanks to uh, Larry Sternberg and Dr. Kim Turnage. And again, congratulations on both of you for launching your book this week. Um, if anybody has any questions or feedback, uh, please click on email the email host button just above the podcast description. We'll work those into our topics in the future podcasts. And if you haven't ordered your copy, I can't say pre-ordered anymore. I haven't ordered your copy yet of Managing to Make a Difference. It is available on Amazon.com or Barnes & Noble. And again, the, uh, the, the URL to our microsite is managetomakeadifference.com. Uh, there's lots of, uh, of extras there and uh, pieces there for you to use in your own day-to-day uh, management. 
management if you'd like to do that. So until then, uh, until next week, keep managing to make a difference, and we'll see you soon. Thank you for joining us for Managing to Make a Difference with Talent Plus's Larry Sternberg and Dr. Kim Turnage. We hope these real-life management examples will help you manage teams across the globe. Just a reminder, this series airs on Voice America, the business channel, each Thursday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific. We hope you'll tune in next week for Managing to Make a Difference. Until then, put these practices into place and manage to make a difference.